I'm San Francisco Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and you're listening to Fifth and Mission. There's no doubt about it. San Francisco is experiencing a tech exodus. Tech workers are leaving the city during the COVID-19 pandemic to work remotely from towns all over the state and country. But will tech companies move their headquarters out of the city too? Jennifer Stoikovich is the executive director of SF City, a chamber of commerce type group for San Francisco tech companies. She says tech companies may pack up and leave if all the various tax measures on the November ballot pass, and that despite San Franciscans grumbling, we'll miss the tech industry when it's gone. Jennifer Stoikovich, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. How's it going? Good. It's good to see you. Good to see you. You run SF City, which is kind of like into the San Francisco Chamber of Commerce for tech companies. I wondered if you can tell listeners a little about what SF City does and how many members you have and some of the names that they might be familiar with. Absolutely. Um, so SF City is San Francisco's Tech Advocacy Association. Um, so as you said, we're pretty much a chamber uh, directly for the tech industry. And so we work to represent um, San Francisco's tech industry, uh, mostly at City Hall. Um, so we are really a city-focused organization connecting the tech community to government leaders, community leaders, and really helping tech be the best citizen that they can be. Um, we represent pretty much all of the large tech companies here in town, um, ranging from Airbnb, Uber, Google, Salesforce, Microsoft, all the way down to hundreds of small startups um, all across the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. And we were founded in 2012, around the time that tech really started to explode in the post-2008 influx of your Dropboxes and Airbnbs and and all those folks that came to town. Mm And what are you hearing from your members now that our world has been turned upside down by COVID-19? What are some of their top concerns? It is an interesting time, uh, to say the least. You know, um, tech has been in this interesting position because tech has been largely, largely affected by this, especially um, if you're in gig economy or any of those kinds of consumer facing apps, um, while tech's also been a solution that's been the backbone um, for much of what's going on. And so, you know, while some folks completely halted um, to zero revenue and, and zero business overnight, other folks exploded extremely, extremely quickly. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been very diametric, and I think that we are unsure of what's to come, um, but the industry is trying to ready itself for what the what the new world could look like post-pandemic. And uh, of course, a major change for all of us, but particularly tech companies, has been the working from home phenomena um, for those lucky enough to have jobs that they can do from home, um, <laughs> for better or for worse. Yeah. Um, And tech companies really led the way on that earlier in the year. Uh, They were some of the first people to send their employees home, um, not knowing how long this would last, of course. And now um, several of them have made this a really long-term thing. You just told me before we started recording that Uber announced today that its workers can um, work from home. I'm assuming that's not drivers. That's the (laughs) corporate side. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So um, this is this has been fascinating because there was a number of tech companies that were really considering what it would look like to move to um, a hybrid model, which is, you know, a model that has some level of remote work built into it as well as in office. Um, and so it's called a roaming model. Um, a lot of folks were looking at so folks like Zendesk, um, for instance, they were looking at um, turning their offices into spaces where employees don't actually have set desks. 
and it's more of a neighborhood where they drop in to do meetings maybe once or twice a week and they really are not um, set in an office setting five days a week. So that was already a big trend that we were seeing before the pandemic hit. Um, and so when the pandemic hit, many of those folks that were working on those models accelerated them quite quickly. Um, so Twitter is probably the most notable one. Um, they had been considering what a remote workforce could look like for, for at least like, I mean, last year, Jack Dorsey was saying that he wanted to take Twitter um, to a remote workforce. So that's been coming for them, um, I'd say, at least in the last year or so. Mm-hmm. And now he has announced that Twitter and Square folks can work from home indefinitely, right? He has, yeah. Twitter, Square, Slack, uh, Coinbase, those are some of the biggest ones. Um, And then Facebook is looking to go um, remote at least 50% of their workforce within the next decade, Um, which for Facebook, you know, they've got thousands and thousands of employees. That is no small feat. Mm -hmm. And Google has announced another year of work from home till summer of 2021. So um, do you think that these changes will be permanent? Are we going to see a big shift in the way people go to work or don't go to work, even when the virus is blessedly a thing of the past? You know, everybody has kind of mixed opinions on this, right? Um, I think that we're definitely on the brink of a new form of what it means to work. Um, We have seen significant amounts of folks that are indicating that they want to work remotely permanently. Um, There's been a number of different surveys. Uh, I think the most recent one we've got, I just want to make sure that I quote this correctly. Yeah, Hired is the most recent one. And they were indicating that more than half of the tech workers are likely or very likely to move to a city with a lower cost of living and go permanently remote. I think what's you know been going on is that the Bay Area has been pushed to a breaking point when it comes to housing affordability for a lot of folks. And so this is kind of an option for a lot of employees to actually find a little bit more space, potentially move into home ownership. Um, for a lot of millennials, that kind of was a pipe dream mm-hmm. up until now. But now all of a sudden, mom and dad's uh, small town doesn't look so bad. So mm-hmm. I think that there is going to be a true shift that we see to the extent of how much people will come back to work versus how many people will stay remote. That's the I think that's the kind of equilibrium we haven't quite figured out yet. Mm-hmm. And in terms of so many people, you know, going back to their hometowns or I know a lot of people are trying to find cabins they can work from in the foothills or Tahoe yeah. or getting creative on that. <laughs> um, where are you hearing that people are right now? Like um, have a lot of people already left their apartments in San Francisco? And if so, where have they gone? Yeah, absolutely. So it's hard to tell um, exactly where everybody is going because there has been a number of folks that have broke their leases. Um, The latest data that we've got on that is about 8% of folks um, broke their leases over the last few months. Um, We don't know if they're going to come back, but we have heard that there's been a huge uptick in smaller cities. A lot of folks have indicated in some of the surveys they're looking at places like Austin, Nashville, kind of smaller sized cities. Um, I think those are the folks that are going to see the biggest increase. There's also some kind of funnier statistics coming out, like Tahoe is run out of housing. Really? Tahoe, yeah, South Lake Tahoe reported they are literally out of real estate. Wow. Um, that's pretty funny. Yeah. So I, I think that you're going to be seeing smaller and mid-sized cities picking people up, at least for the short term. Um, if they're going to permanently relocate there, that's kind of what's still to be seen. Mm-hmm. So do you think it's fair to call this a tech exodus? 
I've seen that word tossed around in the tech media in recent weeks and months. Is that a, a good descriptor? I think it's a fair one. Yeah, I do think it's a fair one. Um, given the amount of folks that have, have gone remote, um, more than 90% of the tech workforce in the Bay Area is working remote right now. Um, and, you know, surveys are showing that a good chunk of them are going to request to stay remote. I think it also depends on if their companies are going to allow that. And all the biggest um, companies have indicated that they have policies that will allow them to remain, to remain remote. So yeah, I'd say tech exodus is what we're looking at. Wow. And so what does that mean for San Francisco, which has relied so heavily on the tech industry to, you know, become this huge economic um, force, you know, internationally? What does that mean for San Francisco if the tech industry is no longer here? So I think that there's two different things that we have to look at there, right? So there is if companies altogether are relocating and are leaving San Francisco and if just their workers are relocating and leaving San Francisco, right? Um, so when it comes to the workers, it's very, very clear when you go downtown that the streets are just dead. It's a right? ghost town. Without, yeah, like without the tech workforce out, out on the sidewalks every day, you know, going to the various small businesses and restaurants and cafes, like that impact is, that's, that's really rough right now. Um, you know, Lori over at the GGRA is a friend of mine. She's saying that at minimum, at least 60% of her restaurants are probably not going to reopen and they are permanently closed. Wow. So 60%, like that is just wild numbers. Um, and so I think that we need to consider that every tech worker that's out on the streets, you know, on average, they're, they're helping create a multiplier effect of folks um, that have other service sector jobs or jobs that are related to what they do. Um, and I think, you know, the latest was um, Ted Egan, our chief, yeah, our chief economist for the city said each tech job contributes about $650,000 annually to the city's economy. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, you know, these high tech jobs, they help create so many more kind of small businesses and open up so many more roles in the city. So if we have those workers that are leaving, I think we're going to see a huge impact to small businesses. We're going to see a huge impact to our merchant corridors um, in terms of big companies. And if they decide to relocate, that's when we're really getting down to the brass tacks of what that means for the city's budget. Um, we have a proposed $13 billion budget. It has doubled in the last um, decade since tech moved to town. You know, we have a very, very high budget. We have the highest um, per spend on citizens of anywhere in America, um, just behind Washington, D.C., which doesn't have statehood. So, you know, we have an extremely high city budget. Um, business taxes are about 20% of our general fund, um, and that's 50% of the city's budget. So I do think that that business tax revenue that you're relying upon, you know, that is what funds our muni lines. That is what funds public education, our health and human services. We have 37,000 workers. And so we have come to really rely on, on that business tax revenue. And so if we do start to lose uh, some of those companies, there will be a, a direct impact on city services. And do you think we will lose some of those companies or will they keep their headquarters here, but their workers will just be remote? Well, there's the tech exodus piece of remote work and what that means for the future. But there's also the piece of the November ballot um, and what it means politically to stay in San Francisco, because we have a number of tax measures that are on the ballot in November. We have a number of companies that, you know, they have faced pretty significant pay cuts and layoffs. And, you know, they, they quite frankly aren't sure if they can afford another tax hike. And so that's going to be an entirely different um, situation uh, when it comes to 
to what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the tax measures. So um, City Hall is currently projecting a $1.5 billion, with a B, deficit over yep. um, the next two years, which is obviously a giant hole to fill, and um, are looking at some tax measures um, for the November ballot to help make up that difference. Um, one would be a gross receipts tax um, charge on information companies, which is basically tech companies. I wanted to um, first ask you what you think of that one. So the gross receipts tax, um, that's a measure that we all got together back in 2012, um, for those of us that were around back then in, in the Ed Lee days. And that was a big 10 approach where we all decided as an industry, you know, we all came together and we decided to reform our business tax system. At the time, San Francisco had a payroll tax. We were the only city and county in all of all of California that still had a payroll tax, right? And so we decided the GRT would be a better way to tax um, the city. And after we put the GRT in, we had a five-year phase in period. And the five-year phase in period was intended to completely replace the payroll tax. Unfortunately, the GRT did not completely replace the payroll tax and we came up a little bit short. So we all knew going into this year that we were going to have to take a look at the GRT and look at what we would have to do to the rate tables to adjust them to make sure that we could get rid of the payroll tax. What we didn't discuss was, you know, significant increases to the GRT because we had all agreed, you know, as a city that we wanted to get rid of the payroll tax, but we also need to be fair to each of the industries in, in the rate tables. And unfortunately, when the pandemic hit, um, that process, which we had all started together as a, as a larger community, really just kind of got siloed. And so the GRT was created largely without the input of, of our industry. Um, I feel like some of the rate increases are pretty significant. Um, it's going to go up in San Francisco up to like 0.879. That's about double what they have in Seattle, for instance. So just to compare what our GRT looks like to the business tax rate of a similar city, it would be double um, Seattle's. So it's it's significant. It's very significant. And it's not at all what we were planning to do going into the year. Um, and it's unfortunate that a lot of the policymakers kind of created these rates and, these, and created this new table um, without our input. Mm-hmm. And then another one would um, tax CEOs who earn 100 times the salaries of their employees. I got to say that yeah. one's kind of appealing for us non-CEOs to vote for. <laughs> Do you have a problem yeah. with that one? So the problem that I see with the CEO tax is that we've had nine tax proposals over the last decade. And that's all, you know, after the GRT that we all came together and agreed on. Um, and so for us, it just seems like, can we agree on one business tax that works for the city? Like I said, the GRT was the main one we all decided as a city that we were going to use to create business tax revenue. We can't just be adding a new tax every year. And the CEO tax is one of a slew that we've dealt with in the last few years. We've had the IPO tax that was proposed. We had a tech tax that was proposed. Like there just seems to be a new one every election. Um, The CEO tax, funnily enough, if you take a look at at how it taxes, so it's 100 to 1, um, all the way up to 500 to 1 ratio. So meaning if the CEO makes 100 times more than the median wage worker of a San Francisco employee, that actually is not expected to really hit tech. Um, So based on some of the research that we've done, 
the average tech um, CEO is, is making closer to maybe 60 to 70 times on the high end um, what their median wage workers are making. So they wouldn't even be affected by this tax. It's, like, it's likely going to hit like retailers and other types of industries rather than ours. We'll be right back after a short break. You can support Fifth in Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. Looking back a couple of years now, some of the city's tech leaders, particularly Jack Dorsey, fought vehemently against Prop C to tax the city's biggest companies for homeless services, and it wound up losing at the ballot box. And um, of course, now you go downtown and it's obvious that the homeless situation is worse than ever. Do you ever hear any regret among your members that Prop C money is still tied up in court and that they helped to potentially kill it? Well, I think the the concern with Prop C is that, you know, first and foremost, the voters voted in support of it. You know, this is this is what the voters of San Francisco wanted. Um, and so, you know, it's a three hundred million dollar increase. And they, you know, saw fit that they wanted three hundred million dollars more to be earmarked to homelessness. But what's ended up happening in this situation is because it's been tied up in litigation, we now have like the worst case scenario where the taxes are being collected, but there's no services that are being rendered. Right. Um, and so I would say you know, we can all agree that collecting taxes that aren't being actually used correctly and aren't actually being um, sent out to, to provide services, that's not anything we want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would like a solution to Prop C, um, and we would like to not be paying giant tax bills that are not improving the city. Mm-hmm. And just for listeners who may not know what we're talking about, the reason it's tied up in court is because there was a dispute about whether it needed a simple majority or two thirds. It got somewhere in between. And so that's why the money's being fought about. Do you, in hindsight, wish that the tech community had supported that and that the money had been spent this whole time? Potentially their support as well as the mayor's support could have gotten it to that two thirds threshold? I think the problem that, that we had with Prop C um, was the fact that it was like I said, yet another new business in uh, business tax increase. Mm-hmm. We were willing to come together and support um, various tax measures. And we did. We supported Prop D um, back in June of that year, which was one of the mayor's bills on housing, which was also um, a tax increase. And we thought that she had a much better plan towards homelessness and housing affordability. Um, we did not feel like the Prop C that was proposed in November of 18 was as good of a plan as, as what the mayor had proposed okay so we do say yes to taxes we're not completely (laughs) anti-taxes yeah you can on the record we have said yes to multiple taxes um just unfortunately you know we did not feel that prophecy was going to be spent well okay um i also wanted to ask you about how the pandemic is shining a bright light on the digital divide in san francisco and many public school kids for example still don't have laptops and wi-fi connections and school is beginning in just a couple of weeks with distance learning I think a lot of people are frustrated that um, such a rich city with so many, you know, tech companies um, can't do better in this regard. And are your members trying to help in any way? Yeah, so we've uh, that's um, back in March when we went into shelter in place, we've started working with um, the Office of Digital Equity and we've been meeting with the CIO. Um, We met with Mayor Libby Schaff and and her team with their digital divide and have been working all across the Bay on how we can help with that. Um, I know Alaska has donated a ton of tablets. I know Google has donated a ton of Chromebooks. And so we've been trying to support that in any way possible. And we continue to provide those asks to our members. And I've seen quite a few um, different uh, 
pieces come out of that. I know that the latest one they're working on is hotspot. Mm -hmm. um, and so we've been trying to connect our members to make sure that we're getting hotspots deployed um, to help with those issues. Well, you've survived the serious questions and now it's time for the lightning round. <laughs> okay. That was not too bad. <laughs> you did a good job. Where is your favorite place in San Francisco to get a burrito? To get a burrito. Okay. So you're asking a vegan. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah. You know, my actually my favorite burrito is in Berkeley, but in San Francisco, I would, I would say Gracias Madre. What is your favorite movie filmed in San Francisco? Ooh, that's a good one. Okay. I'm going to go totally on a limb here and say the game. Oh yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. The game with Michael Douglas, man, the entire time you don't know, <laughs> is it really going to happen? And my favorite part of watching a San Francisco movie is that you don't know, um, you know, they'll show like Marin and then like 10 minutes later, they'll be downtown. You can never quite tell where in the city yeah. they're supposed to it be. It never makes the sense. The geography never makes sense. No. And they can always find parking like within two seconds. Yeah, but. that's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> where is your favorite place in the city back when bars were open? Think back all those many, many, many months ago. Where's your favorite place in the city to get a stiff drink? I like Mezcalita. Mm hmm. You know, the Mezcal bar oh, yeah. um, nice. down on Polk Street. I used to, I was in Russian Hill. That's where I, I used to live. And I just think that that's probably the coolest spot in the city okay. myself. What was your first concert? Ever? Or yeah. in San Francisco? Ever. Ever. Uh, Brian Adams. I am <laughs> Canadian. So I think it's like a rite of passage. You have to go to a Brian Adams concert. I think I was about four years old. That's funny. What was the last book you read? The last book that I read was, oh, what is the name of it? Um, I'm, I just read the California, um, that huge book on the history of California, actually. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was like 700 pages. Oh, my I'm goodness. I remember it was like uh, California, the Wild West or something like that. It was all the way from um, the history of, of indigenous tribes in, in the city to now. Um, and I'll have to get you the name of okay. it after. Cool. What is your favorite social media site? I weirdly enough, really like going on LinkedIn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I get like, really cool articles on LinkedIn and I don't actually see like my aunt's and uncle's political views. So <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, do you try to limit your own screen time or is it limitless? I do limit my screen time. Uh, I'm one of those people that will stay awake all night if I have my screens open. And so I try not to have any screen time at least an hour before bed. Okay. Um, and have you heard of the phrase doom scrolling lately? And if so, are you a doom scroller? I would like to say I'm a reformed doom scroller. <laughs> I... I think when the pandemic first hit, it, there was almost like this like weird, morbid fascination of like, how low can we go? Um, <laughs> can we get lower after, every day. Yeah. You know, after um, the mobile morgues in New York and all those Instagram photos, I started to say like, uh-uh, no, I can't do this. You know, especially considering we provide COVID updates as part of our SF City uh, newsletter. So we would have to be, you know, looking up all of these horrible pandemic things to share with everyone. Um, so now I just try to get what I need and then um, stop scrolling once I know the information for the day. I need to do that. It's hard. Um, of course. <laughs> Who is your favorite tech CEO? 
That's a good question. Um, you know, it probably will sound kind of obvious, but I I really like Jack Dorsey. Really? Um, he's I, controversial. I really think, you know, he's, um, I really like some of the work that he's been doing over in Africa. Um, and, you know, I think that he really sees the potential and opportunity for tech to change the lives of people all over the world. Um, and he also donated like a third of his wealth to coronavirus yeah. research and, and action. And so I think that he really exemplifies in a lot of ways, um, you know, what can be done well if, if you really if you really commit to things. Mm -hmm. And do you have a least favorite tech CEO? I don't think I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> but you have one um, in your head, don't you? Yeah, you know, we work with um, CEOs from all different companies and everybody has different opinions. And, um, you know, there's certain CEOs that notoriously are a little bit cheaper than others. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, there's some that are more philanthropic and there's certain delivery services that have done really well um, in this pandemic and have not supported their people um, with how well they've done. So mm. that's all I'll say. You can tell me off the record later. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, did you watch the HBO show Silicon Valley? And if so, did you find it accurate? I did. I saw three or four seasons of it. Um, yeah, I think the tech, I think they really, they nailed the tech bro culture. Uh, I thought they started to copy Entourage a little bit. They started to, <laughs> I think they started to run out of plot lines. Yeah, but, for sure. But I do think some of the tropes and the way that the that the um, characters acted was fairly stereotypical to folks that you would see down in like Palo Alto or Cupertino. Yeah. What would you say is the biggest myth about the tech industry in San Francisco? I would say that the biggest myth is that tech um, that tech only employs um, you know these like white millennials on hoverboards. Um, I think the tech. <laughs> and I think the tech. You know, I, I think the tech industry has a lot more um, folks that come from all different backgrounds than people think. I think there's a lot more San Franciscans that work in tech than people think. Um, the typical tech bro, yes, there is, you know, a few of those, and they do make the memes. But in the in the majority of my work, the the vast majority of folks come from all different backgrounds, all different ages, all different genders, all that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Do you think that San Francisco will miss the tech industry if it leaves, even though we like to bash it so much? Of course we will. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Nope. Everybody in San Francisco relies upon an app to do everything. And there is nobody that is exempted from that. I think that, you know, we need to understand the thing that I like to remind people is that a lot of the social movements and the progress that we've been able to make, particularly on, you know, things like racial justice in recent months and, and all the things before that, a lot of it's been empowered by different tech tools um, that were built in San Francisco and in the Bay Area. And we should be really proud that, that we have been able to progress, you know, as a city um, based off of a lot of these tools that have been created by some real genius minds in the city. Mm -hmm. What are you most looking forward to about the pandemic ending? What will you do first that you're not allowed to do now? I want to go to a concert. Mm -hmm. I really want to go to a concert. I love music festivals and, and just being in crowds. Um, so I will probably go to a music festival when, if ever, those are legal again. Um, and I also was supposed to be going to Antarctica this year. Really? Uh, 
yeah my trip to antarctica has been pushed um i had a trip to australia that got pushed so i definitely want to like jump on a plane and and go see something different well (laughs) antarctica would be very different (laughs) last question what is something you always make sure to squeeze into your busy day working out i gotta say fitness that's Mm -hmm. probably you know the most basic answer that you're gonna get from people but i spend two hours a day working out every single day um and that is my me time. It is also the time that I can spend on something I can control in a world where I control very, very little, particularly <laughs> yeah. in 2020. Exactly. Well, let's um, hope for some more control next year. Yeah, here's hoping. <laughs> okay. Well, it was really fun to talk to you. Thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you to Jennifer Stoikovich for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening. <laughs> <laughs>